Philippians chapter 4. We were here in, in this chapter last week in Philippians 4, looking at the uh, previous verses, of course, verses 5 through 7. And this morning, by God's grace, we'll take a look at those next couple of verses in Philippians 4. Now, these verses of Scripture, particularly what we looked at last week as well as this week, are some, uh, some of the more powerful verses of Scripture that I would encourage you to memorize because they, they really are, are, are truths that you need to put into practice every day of life. And, uh, and these are things that will help you. Of course, last week we looked at uh, basically how to overcome anxiety and depression, the biblical answer uh, for dealing with those things. And uh, today, uh, we're going to kind of continue in that as we look at the peace of God. And uh, last week, we considered that statement, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds uh, through Christ Jesus. But today, we're going to look at verses 8 and 9. If you're in Philippians 4, would you stand with me? And uh, we will read, beginning in verse number 6, once again, just for sake of context. Verse number 6 says this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, Think on these things, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. I want to preach to you this morning a sermon entitled, The Presence of the God of Peace. The Presence of the God of Peace. Let's have a word of prayer. Father... This morning in your word, we need to understand, with understanding that is not natural to man, but the understanding that is given by the Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open our understanding today, that we may behold marvelous things out of your word, but then Lord also, would you help us not only to understand concepts, but Lord, may we understand how these things apply in our lives, we need your help to not necessarily just behold the moat that's in our brother's eye, but to consider the beam that may be in our own, to see how these truths apply in our lives. And then, Lord, we're going to need your grace to be able to make application and, and, and follow in obedience and be doers of your word. So, Lord, would you help us today in that? Help me as I preach your word. Lord, I, I pray that you would help me to just get out of the way and remove my own take and opinion, and I pray that I would just be a vessel for you, that, that your Holy Spirit would speak through me and help me to communicate that which you have 
given to us in your word. And so, Lord, just meet with us today in a special way. I pray that you would remove from uh, our minds and hearts and from the room here this morning things that would distract us uh, from listening and hearing your voice. So, Lord, speak, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you be seated? Thank you for standing. Last week we considered the need that we have for peace. And we, we looked at the, the, the fact that there's a difference between the peace that the world has and understands and the peace that is given only by God. The fact that Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. There is a distinction between the peace of the world and the peace of God. And last week we looked at, at, at the, 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 the cure from, for anxiety from a biblical perspective of how to have the peace of God in your life. But I want you to notice that the, these two verses that we're focused on this morning, verses 8 and 9, give us some instructions. First of all, what we are to think about and then what we are to do. And by the way, what you think about will result in what you do. Your actions are usually the outcome of your thought life. And he says, if you'll think these things, and if you will do these things, then he makes a promise. And I want you to notice the promise. He says, the God of peace shall be with you. So last week we looked at the peace of God. But today we're going to consider this, that, that true peace only comes from God but it's not just that we can have God's peace, it's that we can have the God of peace. That we can actually have His presence in our lives. He said, the, the God of peace shall be with you. If you will apply these truths in your lives, it's not only that you will have the peace of God, you'll have the God of peace. You'll have His presence in your life. You say, well, pastor, don't you know that I'm saved and therefore I have the presence of God, I have the Holy Spirit living within me, and He said, I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. Well, that's true. If you're saved, you have the presence of God in your life. But understand this, it's possible to be saved and have the indwelling presence of, uh, of the Holy Spirit of God in your life and still not really be in the presence of God. There, there is a distinction there. I mean, what do, we, what do we hear in James chapter 4? Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. We, we, uh, even though we have the presence of God uh, in a permanent fashion, for those of us who are saved, we permanently have his presence abiding with us, and He will never leave us nor forsake us. That is true. But friend, it, there's a difference between being in the presence of God and truly being in the presence of God. There's a difference between having Him ever with you and being in close fellowship with Him. My, my wife has told me at times in life, as we've been busy uh, in, in life and ministry and those types of things, uh, at times that uh, I'm, I'm bodily present with her, I've heard her say, you're not really with me. It's possible to be present, but not really present. And folks, I want you to know that God, God's will for you is not simply to be saved and on your way to heaven and have the Holy Spirit with you but He wants you to be in fellowship with Him. 
And he, he offers to you His presence. His, uh, a, a personal relationship with Him. And so these instructions that we read today, verses 8 and 9, are really a call to say, listen, if you want peace, you want the peace of God, what you need really is to have the God of peace present and working and active in your life, and you need to be in fellowship with the God of peace. Can I ask you this morning, are you in fellowship with the God of peace? Do you know Him? Is He active in your life? Can you say, beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know that God is in my life because I am in fellowship with Him. The God of peace is with me. Is that a reality in your life today? Obviously, we must understand and, and must emphasize this, friend. If you are here today and you have never been saved, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, you do not have the peace of God because you do not have the God of peace. If you've never been saved, if your sins have never been washed away, you've never been born again and made alive in Christ, you don't know God. First John says, He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. The question is, do you have the Son? Have you been saved? And so that's the first thing. That's primary in all of this. You must be born again, Jesus said. And if you have not been born again, if you have never been saved, then today, let me tell you, wherever you are in life, you must be born again. You need Christ. You must have Him. But I think that there are probably many of us here, most of us perhaps, that can say with certainty, yes, I have been born again. I have turned from my sin to Jesus and believed on Him and received His gift of eternal life. I have been saved. But do you really know the God of peace? Is He with you in that sense of His uh, uh, abiding presence? Is, it, is His presence known in your life? Here are the instructions that we get from verses 8 and 9. He says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are, and He gives a list of eight things, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, things that are virtuous, and things that are worthy of praise. These eight things that he lists, he says, think on these things. So you say, you know, I really want the presence of God in my life. I want to be in fellowship with Him. I want to walk with Him. I want to be filled with the Spirit of God. How can I do that? The first thing that he addresses is your thought life, your meditations. You know, the Bible says an awful lot about meditations and what we think about. For instance, it talks about our need to meditate on the Word of God. We referenced last week Psalm 1, that the, the, the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate day and night. Joshua chapter 1, uh, the Lord told Joshua that he was to meditate on the book of the law. That it was not to depart out of his mouth, but that he was to meditate therein day and night. We could go over to Psalm 119 where uh, the psalmist there says, Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation 
all the day. And all throughout Scripture, I could show you one verse after another after another where the Bible tells us you need to be thinking on and dwelling on the Word of God. And so you, you, you need to meditate in Scripture. We're told also that we are to set our affections on things above. Colossians chapter 3, set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. You say, well, well what does that mean to set my affections? Well, affection is a, is a word for love. It's a word for showing love. To, to those of you who've been in love with someone, what happens? They consume your thoughts, right? The things that you love are the things that you think about. We're to set our affection on things above. So we're told what we ought to think about. We're also told what we ought not to think about. Jesus said, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. He's talking about don't, don't be worried about where your provisions are going to come from. Don't be dwelling on, and let's be honest, some of us are worriers, aren't we? Oh, what's going to happen, and how, how am I going to pay for this, and, 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 and what happens if I don't get, you know, these tests come back from the doctor, and, and what am I going to do, and, and, and what if my kids don't make the right choice, choices, or and we, we worry, we worry, what if, what if, what if, what if. Jesus said, don't think about those things. Take no thought for those things. And so we're told in Scripture many things, and we could talk all day really about things that we ought to be thinking about. Isaiah 26, 3, thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. We're, what are we to be thinking on? We're to be thinking on the word of God. We're to be thinking on right things. We're to be thinking on the Lord himself and setting our minds on him. And so the Bible talks so much about meditation and many of us can quote these scriptures, but if we're really honest with ourselves and with the Lord, I think we would have to admit that too often we fail in the area of our thought life. We allow our minds to be consumed with things that ought not be there, and we neglect the things that should be there. This is part of what we were, uh, the exercise that we were supposed to go through this last week of giving of thanks, right? We, we give thanks. What is the point of giving thanks? Well, it's to express gratitude to the Lord for what He's done, but it's also to remind ourselves of the good things that God has done. It really is an exercise in meditation, in our thought life. What am I going to think about? I'm going to think about God's blessings in my life. We complain and we gripe when we think about the negatives of life, right? And so it's, a, it's an exercise in thought. So the Bible talks so much about meditation, and yet, too frequently, what do we fill our minds with? If you were to sit down and actually put pen to paper of the way that, 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 that you occupy your mind from the time you get up in the morning until the time you go to bed at night, what would be the vast majority of your thoughts? What would consume your thinking? The, the word meditate, to, to meditate or meditation, it literally means this, intentional thoughtfulness. To think on things on purpose. Now, this is actually an exercise that I think people used to be better at. 
when, when you didn't have everything to just fill every waking moment of time with TV and radio and social media and internet and all the things that we do that we just can't seem to, you know, we've got a free moment, we've got to fill it with something, right? But there was a time that that stuff didn't really exist and at the end of the day you came home from work and maybe sat out on your front porch and you just thought on things. He just meditated on things. We read back in the book of Genesis of, of, uh, of, of uh, excuse me, man, my mind just went blank, forgive me, Isaac, going out into the field to meditate. In other words, this was an intentional thing. He left his home, he left his work to go out to the field away from people so that he could think on things. How often do you just meditate and ruminate on things. But yet the Bible tells us we are to think on certain things. And here is the, the, the test. What are, what, Lord, what am I supposed to fill my mind with? Verse number 8. The things that are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, virtuous, and worthy of praise. That's what I'm supposed to fill my mind with. Oh, okay, so I should sit down and listen to politicians. Or turn on the nightly news. Or watch some filth on TV. No, actually, if we were to take most of the things that come into our mind and run them through this filter and ask, ask ourselves, is this true? Is this honest? That means, is it, is it, is it upright? You know, an honest person is a trustworthy person. Is this true? Is it honest? Is it just? Is it lovely? Listen, as I look at this verse, and, and, and I can't possibly read this verse and think, okay, what I'm supposed to do is go out and watch a bunch of horror movies. Am I right? I mean, or, or sit down and watch the latest soap opera. Because those things don't set my mind on right things. My meditations are all wrong. And so what happens? We live lives that are worried and fearful and, and, and full of stress and anxiety. And why? So much of it is where we set our mind. And the things that we fill our minds with. And then, not only do we not, not intentionally think on right things so often, friends, we just don't really control what we think about. Did you know that you are the one who is in control of what is going on in your mind? You are. God, God commands us to think about certain things and not think about other things. That tells me that we have some degree of control over that. Hold your place here in Philippians and go with me to the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And I know we've looked at this, uh, this verse several times together, and that's okay. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Let's back up to verse number 4. Verses 4 and 5, look what it says here. 2 Corinthians 10, 4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, that means they're not fleshly, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. 
You say, man, I can't get victory over sin in my life. Maybe it's because you're trying to fight your struggle with sin carnally, with fleshly methods. Maybe what you need to realize is that the battle is really not a physical battle. It's a battle for your heart. It's a battle for your mind. That's where so much of the battleground between the the spiritual struggle that we are in between the the world, the flesh, and the devil, right? our, Our enemy who's fighting against us. This is a spiritual battle that takes place so often on the battlefield of our minds. And you lose the battle to sin when you lose the battle for your mind. And so it tells us here in verse number 5, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. (laughs) What's he saying? What are we to do? We're to bring into captivity every thought. I think we, we, we put ourselves in so much danger when we don't put safeguards on our mind. Have you ever stopped and considered the progression of how information comes into our minds? I mean, it used to be that if you were to learn something, uh, someone either had to teach you, they had to tell you, or you had to open a book and read it. You received information either, either orally or through print. And then came the invention of radio, as people could sit and listen just many hours of the day, just taking in, taking in, taking in. And then came television, and then it went from just the ears to the eyes. And believe it or not, we pass more information through visual, through what we see visually than we do even through our own words. And you think about things, imagery, a picture's worth a thousand words, right? Body language communicates. I'm just saying there's a lot more information that's passed visually. And then you went from television to then internet. And then from just internet in general and email and search engines to now social media. And here's what happened with social media. You went from MySpace and Facebook to YouTube videos, constant, to what? TikTok. Some of you are going, what is that, right? You know what TikTok is? TikTok is videos, usually 30 seconds or less in length. And what it does is it grabs your attention. And if you don't break the cycle, you'll sit there for the rest of the day watching clip after clip after clip after clip. And it's one thing after another, after another, after another. And it's just constant new information, new information. And you know what happens? You can start off watching something that's wholesome and pure and Just like that, boom, something else pops in that's not. You know what it is? Listen, I I understand some of you probably think I'm just on a hobby horse here, but I'm I'm not. I really believe that this this has been an intentional attack by our enemy, Satan, to dumb us down and to numb us to the realities of just taking in 
of, of the dangers of just taking in information without putting any thought into what it is that we're putting in. And we find ourselves just kind of plugging in and mindlessly absorbing all this junk. Folks, it is absolutely ungodly. You say, well, I don't watch anything bad. No, listen, are you thinking on, let's see, is this true, honest, just, lovely, of good report? Is this virtuous? Is this worthy of praise? I mean, are you taking into captivity every thought that enters your mind? Or are you just allowing anything that wants to come in to come in? Don't think that you can go mindlessly through life and live and dwell in the presence of God. That's not how it works. You know we're commanded to be filled with the Spirit? And you know how we're filled with the Spirit? Let's go back to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5, if you would. Ephesians 5 and verse... Number 18 says this, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Then it says this, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God, and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's he saying? If you want to be filled with the Spirit, there are certain things you need to speak to yourself about. And what are they? Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Do you know that the the songs that we sing here in church, there's a reason that we sing the songs that we sing? The songs that we sing, we believe that these are songs that are scriptural, they, they, they remind us and teach us truth. Colossians chapter 3, verse number 16 says this, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace uh, in your hearts to the Lord. Did, did you know that, that scriptural music is music that teaches truth? That admonishes you? That builds you up? What is it? It's filling your mind with right things and good things. And this is directly connected with whether or not you're filled with the Spirit. You will not be filled with the Spirit if you mindlessly absorb whatever information comes your way. If you want to be filled with the Spirit of God, you must set your mind where it belongs and really put every thought through the litmus test of Is this something that I ought to be thinking on? Is this good for me spiritually to dwell on these things, to meditate on these things? It's a reason I've told you before, I used to listen to a lot of talk radio and political commentary because I'm very interested in those things and it's easy for me to just kind of get caught up in it. You know what I found? I'd listen to that stuff and I'd get so worked up. I'd get angry about things, I'd get frustrated about things and and. You know, at the end of the day, I was angry and frustrated about things I have no control over. I mean, I can vote, I can do those, but I can't control, I can't change what's going on in Washington. I can't fix that. And so rather than setting my mind on these things and letting this influence my spirit, I, I had to turn it off. 
You know what I ought to replace that with is good godly music and, 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 and the Word of God and the preaching of the Word of God filling my mind with right things and good things and things that are, are, are just and lovely and pure. So he talks about meditation, Philippians 4 and verse 8. Think on these things. That's the first action. If you want to have the God of peace with you, think on these things. And then secondly, verse 9, those things which ye have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. So Paul says, I taught you some things. I modeled some things before you. You know my testimony, and those things which you have heard and learned and seen and, and, and you've observed in me, do those things. Now, listen, we live in a generation of Christians, I'm talking about, a generation of Christians that is constantly trying to reinvent the wheel. Where there's this idea that says, basically, you know, I... I know what that generation used to do, but I'm not that way. Now listen, I'm not saying that we just mindlessly follow every, every aspect of someone's life and you know take the good and the bad and just do the same thing, but, but this idea of I'm my own man, I'm going to do things the way I think they ought to be done is actually uh, somewhat arrogant. Um... I hear this, well, you know, you shouldn't be following a man. Well, it's true that your faith ought not to be built upon a man, because man will fail you. Your, your faith needs to be firmly grounded in Jesus Christ and in His Word. Don't, don't, don't believe the things you believe because of me. Don't stand where you stand because of me, because... I'm fallible, and friend, I will fail you. If your faith is founded in me, when I fail you, your faith is going to crumble. So your faith should not be built upon man. But friend, I want you to understand that God has made it so that we ought to be following and even imitating individuals who are passionately pursuing Christ. And Paul said, look, you, look at my life. See what I've taught you and see what I'm modeling before you? Follow that. Do that. This is a good thing. There, there comes a time when we ought to be following men. Godly men. Hebrews chapter number 13, if you'd go there with me. Hebrews chapter 13. In, uh, in this chapter, three different times there's a reference to those which have the rule over you. And it's, it's a reference to pastors within a church, overseers within a church. And notice what it says in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse number 7. It says, Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God. These are the, your teachers in Christ. These are people who have preached the word of God, taught the word of God to you. Remember them. And then it says this, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. He says, follow their faith. And while your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, and your confidence ought never be built on man, it is scriptural and right for you to follow your spiritual leaders. It is. 
Whose faith? Follow, follow. Imitate that. Why? Think about this. 1 Peter 5 says that elders are to be an example or an example to the flock. They're not lords over God's heritage. I am not the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't control you. But if I am what I'm supposed to be, you ought to be able to look at my life and follow my example. This is why, by the way, that bishops, elders, have qualifications that they must meet in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus chapter 1 because these are men that God puts within a church to, to, to be an example for people to follow them. And so don't get this idea in your mind, well, it doesn't, you know, I'm not going to follow anyone. I'm just going to follow the Holy Spirit in my life. Well, you ought to follow the Holy Spirit. You ought to follow the Word of God. But, but God has put people in your life. He's put leaders in your life to lead you. Whose faith follow? Follow their faith. You ought to identify individuals who are modeling a life of sanctification and who are filled with the Holy Ghost, and you should seek to follow them. We're in Philippians 4 for our text. In chapter number 3, it says this in verse number 17. He says, brethren, be followers together of me. Well, Paul, we're just supposed to follow you. In fact, did you know that some of the early Christians, some of our, what we would consider to be our Baptist forefathers, were actually not known as Baptists. They were known as Paulicians. They were called Christians first at Antioch, and then later on they were known as Paulicians. Why? Not because they gave themselves that name. They didn't say, well, we are Paulicians. We're followers of Paul. But they followed the things that he, that he taught them under Holy Spirit inspiration, and other people looked at him and said, they're like Paul. Why? Because Paul was following Christ, and his followers followed him in following Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, he said this, Be followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. And so it's not unscriptural to follow a man so long as that man is following Christ. And so when Paul says, do as I do, he's not saying, be just like me. I'm trying to build this kingdom. What he's saying is, listen, I'm trying to teach you how you can know God and walk with God and do what I do. I think most of us would probably have to admit that we would love to have a relationship and a fellowship with God like Paul had. To know the presence of God as fully as he did. And he says, you have an example. So he, he tells him to meditate, and then he tells him to imitate. And, and here's the promise that comes with that in, in chapter 4, and verse number 9, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, he's just addressed two things, thoughts and actions, what you think about and what you do, and then he makes this connection, and he says, these things will affect the presence of God in your life. The, peace, the, the God of peace shall be with you. Now, please understand this. What you think about and what you do will affect the presence of God in your life. What you think about and what you do will affect the presence of God in your life. This is one of the, 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 the dangerous uh, outcomes of this 
concept of, of grace that belittles grace to the idea of I'm free from the, the punishment of sin. Now, I'm thankful that by the grace of God, I am free from the punishment of sin because Jesus already paid it all for me and there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful for that. But listen, just because I'm free from the consequence of eternal judgment does not mean that I am free to do whatever I want to do. Not if I want to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. I can't just say, well, I'm not under the law, I'm under grace, therefore I welcome all lasciviousness and all kinds of wickedness in my life because Jesus already paid for it. To do that would be to slap my Savior in the face. No, a life that wants to please God is going to be concerned about what I think about and what I do. And it's going to affect my fellowship with Him. James chapter 4, I mentioned it earlier, draw nigh to God. Verse number 8, draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. And then it says this, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Cleanse your hands. What is that? That's your actions. Purify your hearts. What is that? That's your thought life. Draw nigh to God. Start doing right. Start thinking right so that you may draw nigh to God. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4, I believe it is. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in the holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Hebrews chapter 12 says, Follow uh, peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. And there's a theological implication to that. If you don't have the holiness of God that is given to you by salvation in Jesus Christ, you'll never even be in the presence of God. Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. But beyond just salvation, you are to follow holiness. You are to pursue holiness. Because God said, be holy, for I am holy. He said, come up from among them and be separate, saith the Lord and I will receive you. And, and, and so God's desire for us is that we would be pure, that we would be holy, that we would be righteous, not just in our actions, but also in our thought life. And friend, this will have an effect on your relationship with God. You say, I just want to draw closer to God. What are you thinking about? What are you allowing in your mind? What are you setting your affection on? What is your mind consumed with? And how is that affecting your actions? Are you living in obedience to the Scriptures? I'm just saying, listen, don't get the cart before the horse. You are not made right with God by your actions. You're made right with God by the blood of Jesus Christ. Salvation is by grace through faith alone in Christ alone. You're made right with God by grace. But friend... If you want to walk in fellowship with God, you need to be concerned with your actions and with your thought life. So just kind of recapping really last week and this week, do you have the peace of God in your life? And do you have the God of peace in your life? Before you can have the God of peace in your life, 
You must be born again. Your religion doesn't make you right with God. Your good works don't make you right with God. You can say, I'm a good person, I'm a kind person, I do good things for people. I sacrifice my time and help people out. That's great. That doesn't make you right with God. The only way that you can be right with God is through the blood of Christ, which he shed for you. And you can be saved if you will place your faith and trust in him alone. And you can receive the gift of eternal life, and you can receive the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. But then, once you have that, Christian friend, let me talk to you for a minute. Are you thinking on right things? Are you following the right influences? Are you doing and applying the word of God in your life? Listen, this is a promise. The God of peace shall be with you. I want to go through life knowing God is with me. He's with me. Do you have the God of peace? 